the world by darkness. Come on, church. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as we stand in victory, since Christ has lost his will on me, for I am his and he is mine, with the precious some more don't you i love it all right you guys can be seated thank you all we got a lot going on well it's a blessing to hear how the lord used them isn't it and uh marjorie you're an encouragement to me and i know uh philip is glad to have you back home i think i told him i saw him the sunday you guys came back he was in the choir and he is actually dancing a little bit so i would assume now there is something uh, that all of us should take away from that and uh, i've used the illustration that rebecca read uh, in a couple of sermons that I've preached, not here, but it is unique that we only have one life to live and one life to give, and we don't want to waste that life. And uh, reality is uh, God calls us all over the place, but God also calls you to give your life away here. Uh, so take what you've heard tonight to heart and keep in prayer those who are doing great ministry work overseas among those uh, that are untouched, uh, and my heart goes out to them as well. You know, we uh, do a lot of missions work in, in Africa in the 1040 window where, you know, when 1040 window goes all the way around the globe, um, but that is where the most uh, lost people are found, and those who have never heard the gospel. Uh, it is amazing um, how that works. Can I share this with you real, well, <laughs> real quick, really, really quick? Uh, just based upon, and I want to encourage you guys, because a lot of times you go and you share the gospel, and you wonder, has there really been a difference made after you come home? And you kind of think about that. I know I do. But here's what I know about the Bible. The Bible teaches me that God is pursuing humanity to have a relationship with him. And God pursues humanity first and foremost through creation. 
The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that creation declares the glory of God. So an individual can see creation and know that there is indeed a creator in the same way that you can see a building and know that there was a builder. So creation is there calling out to people that indeed God does exist. But in Romans chapter 1 as well as chapter 2, it talks about not only do we have creation, but we have conscience. Our conscience bears witness to that which is right and that which is wrong. No matter where you go throughout the world, they may have never seen a Bible, never heard of the Ten Commandments. They know that lying is wrong, and they know stealing is wrong, they know murder is wrong, they know adultery is wrong. How do they know this? Because the Bible says God has imprinted his law upon their heart, and their conscience bears witness to that law. So they have a conscience which condemns them. And then God in his unique sovereignty allows the grace of Christ to be shared with individuals. And when they respond to that, they're radically saved. So God, he screams to people, I want to know you. He does it through creation. I want to know you. He does it through your conscience. I want to know you. He's done it through Jesus Christ. I want to know you. And he's ultimately doing it through the church. And that's our role. And how unique it is that God gives us the opportunity to do that. I had a, a good buddy named Michael Edwards who went with me to Africa, and we were, he was actually out sharing the gospel in the village. We were uh, training pastors at that time, getting prepared for a crusade that night, and he went out and sat down with a man on a hillside and began to talk to him and ask him if he would like to know that God indeed loves him. And here's what the guy said to him, and they had a translator, but here's what he said to him. He said, that's funny you ask. Uh, two weeks ago, I was sitting on the same hill looking up at the stars, looking up at the moon, looking up at creation, and said, God, if you exist, show yourself. Good grief. <laughs> so he picked up a redneck from Cobb County and put him on the other side of the world in Ethiopia to share the gospel and repent and place his faith in Jesus. And see, a person who will uh, respond to the light that God has given him, God will reveal more light. All right? Now, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but this is just pretty wild. A person who rejects the light that God has given him, God is not obligated to give him any more. Creation, the Bible says in Romans 1 and 2, creation itself is sufficient evidence to condemn a person for all of eternity. But if they respond, God will send somebody. Isn't that wild? That's how much the Lord loves us. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for Rebecca. Thank you for her heart. Thank you for what you've done in her life through this mission trip. God, I thank you for her passionate plea, even to us as a fellowship, not to waste our life. And God, I thank you that you're going to use her in the days ahead. You have your hand on her. You're ministering to her and through her even now. Pray that you would open up more opportunities, more doors for the gospel to be shared. And God, I just thank you for her faithfulness. And Lord, I also just thank you so much for Miss Marjorie. What a unique blessing the church has in her. She comes alongside people in this fellowship with such great encouragement, including myself. And God, I just thank you for her. Thank you, Lord, that she heeded your call to go. That she stepped outside of her comfort zone. And in an area of discomfort, she most likely experienced some of the greatest spiritual growth she's ever experienced. And God, I praise you for that. Thank you for her faithfulness. Pray that you would continue to raise up people in this fellowship to be faithful to the call to, the call to make disciples everywhere. And God, just speak to our hearts tonight through your holy word. 
and we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You got your Bible? 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, I knew I would have a little less time tonight, so what I did for the message was write an introduction and then wrote points out. Normally, I write word for word, so uh, my goal is to finish in 20 minutes on the dot. 1 Peter chapter 2. Y'all got your Bible? Look at verse 4. You can stand with me if you want to in the honor of the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. The Bible says, And coming to him, speaking about Jesus, as to a living stone which has been rejected by men but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. Now, Father, speak clearly to our hearts and change us this evening. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, there is a unique principle taught in the New Testament which comes to climax in this particular passage of Scripture. So let me identify the principle, and then we'll see it unfold here in our passage of Scripture. But here's the principle, and just, just listen closely. Genuine faith in Jesus Christ is expressed in our love toward one another. Genuine love toward one another is expressed in serving others on God's behalf. So if you say you have faith in Jesus Christ, true faith in him, it will be expressed in your love for others. As mentioned this morning, 1 John 2 and 3, by this action we know that we have come to know Jesus if we keep his commandments. The commandments of Jesus are twofold, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, love God and love others. Paul the apostle reiterates this fact in Galatians 5 and verse 6 when he writes, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. There were those in Galatia who were arguing that to be a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, you had to be circumcised. Paul says, no. If you have genuine faith, it will be evidenced in the, your love for one another. Which, by the way, Jeremiah prophesied that there would come a day when God would circumcise our hearts. And that's exactly what he has done in Christ. So again, let me restate the point. Faith always works through love. So if you say you have true faith in the Lord, then your faith will express itself in love toward God and others. Now, the second tier of that principle is this. Genuine love toward one another is expressed in serving others on God's behalf. Paul mentions this as well in Galatians 5.13. He says, for you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, it's interesting. Paul says it like this. He says, faith works through love. But then he backs it up and says, love works through serving one another. John carries the theme as well in 1 John 3, 18, where he states, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
You know, Jesus washed his disciples' feet in the Gospel of John, and afterwards he said, I have given you an example. Then he reiterates his command for us, too. He says, love one another. So remember the principle. Genuine faith in Christ is expressed in our love toward one another. Genuine love toward one another is expressed in serving others on God's behalf. Let me do it this way uh, real quick. You, you three guys, stand up for me just a moment. Put your, put your notes down. I appreciate you taking notes. <laughs> Turn around and face everyone. Aren't these three good-looking men? Here, here's what we're going to do. You're going to be faith for me, all right? You're going to be love for me, and you are going to be service or good works. Now, if you say you have true faith, true faith works through love. Well, y'all just... You don't want to hold hands with him, do you? Why don't y'all just link arms together? Genuine faith that works through love. So if you say have, you have faith, you will also have love towards the brethren. Now, if you have love toward the brethren, how are we going to know that's legit? Because you will be linked. <laughs> look at you. You ain't right. You'll be linked <laughs> with works. That is, you will serve the body of believers, and you will serve those who don't know Christ. So if you have faith, it works through love. Love works through serving other people. Now, notice what James says in James chapter 2. Here's what he says. Um, faith without works is... So if you say you have faith, but you got no works, then reality is it's because you've got no love. And now we really get down to the bottom line is you don't have genuine faith. So when you have faith, these two come right behind. Y'all listening? Y'all give it up for these three stooges. Y'all did a good job. I really wanted you to, to see that uh, this morning or this evening. Um, that, that's huge to me. Jay Burkett just texted me something on my telephone. Brother, I'm preaching, man. Where are you at? <laughs> Is he in here? Well, okay. All right. Now, now back to Peter's letter. Are y'all still with me? God bless you. I had this up here so I could tell what time it was. I didn't know people would be calling me while I was trying to preach. But uh, Peter begins by establishing the reality of our faith in chapter 1. You'll remember in chapter 1 and verse 3 of 1 Peter says, You were born again to a living hope through the resurrection of the dead. Finishing up chapter 1, Peter begins to move to the reality of our need to love one another. Remember that in verse 22 this morning. Since you have an obedience to the truth, that is, you have had faith in Christ, you have purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Now Peter runs with the principle in chapter 1, genuine faith in Christ is expressed in our love toward one another. He continues forward with the principle in chapter 2, now showing us how genuine love is seen in our service. And where do we see that? Look at verse 4. And coming to Jesus as living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also are living stones being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up, what does your Bible say, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know what Peter's magnifying here? He is magnifying our service to the Lord. And we serve the Lord by serving one another. Y'all see the picture? Faith works through what? Love is expressed in what? Service. 
If you say you have faith, but you have no works, your faith is dead. Your faith will not save you. It's dead. Now, let me share with you a few thoughts from this passage of Scripture tonight. It's interesting. Peter really breaks it down. He talks, on one hand, to believers, but he also reminds us of what's going to happen to those who are unbelievers. So I want to give you just a few statements about those who trust in Christ. Then I want to give you a few statements about those who reject Christ. Now, a few is three, which makes six total points tonight, so I'm going to give these to you quickly. But verse 4 and 5, here's a truth that the Lord just kind of launched out into my brain as I was studying. Those who trust Christ are choice and precious in the sight of God. You say, well, why is that? Well, because the Bible says we come to him. It's the imagery of coming to Christ to remain. He is a living stone. He's been rejected by men, but he is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also are living stones. So here Peter is showing us that the same way that God the Father was saying that Jesus Christ the Son was choice and precious, he's saying the exact same thing about you because you now are a living stone. Say, so how in the world would God call us choice and precious? How could he consider us to be choice and precious in his sight? Because when God looks at a genuine convert, he sees the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in you. Therefore, you are precious. And that's in 4 and 5. But in verse 5, there's a truth that I just wrote down. Those who trust Christ are made members of a life-given organism, the church. Now, ladies and gentlemen, um, God is the one who is building his church. The pastor doesn't build the church. Deacons don't build the church. Sunday school teachers don't build the church. You don't build the church. God does. And so God is in the process now of actually building a church. In verse 5, he says, as living stones, you are being built up as a spiritual house. Now, that phrase, spiritual house, is the same phrase used throughout the Old Testament to speak about the temple of the Lord, or at least the word house is. So he's got the imagery here. It's almost as if Peter's letting the New Testament church know we're not about building a temple like they were in the Old Testament. God's building now a spiritual temple, and he does that by placing the Spirit of God within you as soon as you come to faith in Jesus Christ. So God is now building a spiritual house. It's interesting. Uh, throughout, uh, one day I might write a book on it because I just think it's cool, but there are several um, pictures throughout history in the Scripture that give us a heavenly truth, all right? Example, uh, you are married, your husband and a wife. That is a physical picture of an earthly truth, all right? Uh, that is a picture of Jesus Christ and his church. That's why the Bible says God hates divorce. He doesn't want to see you rip that apart because Jesus says to the church, I'll never leave her, nor will I ever forsake her. So if you turn your back, sir, on your wife, you're doing the exact opposite of what you ought to be doing. You should be staying with her because that is the picture of the heavenly truth. And you don't want to mess with God's pictures. Y'all all right? But also in the Old Testament, God has given us a picture of the spiritual house that the Lord is building in our current day and age. And that picture is the Old Testament temple. So there's the temple in the Old Testament, but that was just a physical picture of a spiritual truth that came to reality in Jesus Christ. So God's building a church. 
He's building it with us. And the Bible says we become living stones. How do we become living stones? Because the living Christ, the resurrected Lord, touched us through the message of the gospel and caused us who were once dead in our trespasses and sin to come alive to God in Jesus Christ. So we are all made alive by the Lord. <laughs> what an awesome truth. Uh, the Spirit of God spoke into existence the Son of God in the womb of Mary. The Spirit of God spoke into your dead life a brand new life through the gospel. And in the same way, I mean, you can come to church one Sunday and you're lost and you're sitting there and it's almost, you're sitting there and you're thinking, good grief, that preacher's talking to me the entire time. No, he ain't either. Uh, it's almost, we preachers, we'd like to take credit for that, but that just flat out is not us. That's the Spirit of God. So whenever you begin to hear the message, the Spirit of God begins to work, and God will just reach out there and just speak into your heart and cause you to come alive. You once were dead, now you're alive. Now you're a part of a living stone. You're a part of an organism, the New Testament church, the spiritual house. <laughs> How awesome that you get to be a part of that, and I get to be a part of it. It's like he just puts this together. You can see it in your physical mind's eye. A person who's building a temple or building a house, he's taking stones here, he's taking stones there, he's putting them all together. God reached out there, grabbed hold of you, grabbed hold of you, grabbed hold of me, and put us all together, and the one who is the capstone is Christ. And so we all have a unique position in the body of believers, and I'd love to talk about that, but what has happened? Well, whenever you trusted Christ and became a member of the life-given organism, the church, you became a part of the holy priesthood. That means you have access to God. You used to couldn't go before God in prayer because of your sin. But God in his grace has clothed you with the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Now you can just walk right on in to the presence of God. And what a glorious truth. Um, and just get to go to him. And good news, you don't have to go to him through any earthly priest. All right? That's not biblical. That's a, a shame. But you're a holy priesthood and you offer spiritual sacrifices. As soon as you came to faith in Jesus... The Spirit of God equipped you for service. You offer spiritual services, sacrifices offered by nature of God's Spirit living within us. So we serve the Lord. We serve Him through our worship. We serve Him through our giving, through our giving of our tithes, giving our offering. I'll just say giving our money. Y'all all right? And we do that. We give to the Lord. That's a spiritual sacrifice. And please listen to the preacher. I'm going to be real nice about this. This ain't in my notes, but it came to my heart. And uh, the reality is, um, and I've already heard it. Some people have said, well, we figured, you know, whenever we got a pastor, our giving would go back up. If you are waiting to give because you're waiting on a pastor, you are overwhelmingly being ungodly. You, you don't give based upon who stands behind the pulpit or whenever you're a member of a New Testament church. You give because Jesus is the capstone. So it doesn't matter who's behind this pulpit. Listen, listen to the preacher. Jesus is the head of the church. And he says you ought to give. So if you ain't giving, you better. <laughs> and uh, we do that. That's a, that's a part of our, our service. And God's gifted all of us to serve. You know, as he puts us, the living stones, together, as his part of his spiritual house, he's got certain gifts for you, certain gifts for me. He puts us all together so that we can come together and make an impact for his kingdom. What a glorious truth. You know, there's, a guitar has six strings on it. 
Did y'all know that? Unless it's a 12-string guitar. But it's got six strings on it. You can strum all six of those strings to play a G chord, and as long as all of those strings are tuned just right, you'll hear a beautiful sound. But you get one of those strings out of tune, that guitar will sound terrible. What are you saying, preacher? As soon as you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you became a part of the spiritual house. Now your goal is to be in tune with the Spirit, in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ. So when the wind of the Holy Spirit blows across this building, it plays a beautiful tune to the Lord's glory. So we've all got to make sure we're in tune with the Lord so we can offer spiritual sacrifices. And the only reason they're accepted to God is because Jesus Christ is in us. Uh, he would accept absolutely nothing from us except that Jesus has radically forgiven us. And just good grief, very quickly, uh, we are four minutes away from the end of this message. Uh, Jesus, the catstone, was rejected by men. So what I, what I believe Peter's doing is he's letting us know in verse 4 and 5 that if Jesus was rejected by men, you and I better get ready to be rejected by men. Let me give you another statement, verse 6 and 7. Those who trust Christ will ultimately be honored in the last day by God. Verse 6 and 7, your Bible says, This is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value is for you who believe, but not for those who disbelieve. Just as Christ was honored by God, you will be honored as well. Jesus Christ, this is crazy. Um, God treated Jesus on the cross as if he committed our sin. So really Jesus took upon his own body what you and I deserve. And then whenever we responded to him by faith, now God treats us the way we might think he should have treated Jesus. <laughs> and he honors you and I. What we do now is going to determine what we do for all of eternity. Uh, your faithfulness here will be rewarded for eternity. Or you, you know, won't receive reward. I like what Erwin Lutzer says. You know, a lot of us look forward to the day when Jesus will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But uh, Erwin Lutzer says not everybody's going to hear that who's a Christian because not everybody was faithful or did well. But you'll be honored based upon your faithfulness. And God looks at the motives of our hearts. But man, good grief, that's wild. That's believers. Let, let's talk to unbelievers for a moment. Verse 7 and 8, those who reject Christ will be disappointed. Your Bible says it there at the end of 7. Those who disbelieve, they'll be disappointed. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. So those who reject Christ will be disappointed. That is, they have rejected God's stone, who is Jesus. If you reject Jesus, there is no hope for you, man. Right? So if you turn from Jesus Christ, you'll spend eternity in hell. What you do with Jesus will determine your eternal vacation plans. <laughs> So if you reject Jesus, he'll reject you for all of eternity. But if you receive Jesus, he'll receive you for all of eternity. So they've rejected God's stone. Those who disbelieve, uh, they have rejected the living stone, which is Jesus. He's the only one who's been raised up from the dead, only one who has the sufficient capabilities to even say, I'll give you new life. And Paul the apostle said, if he didn't get up from the dead, our faith is hopeless and void. But if he got up from the dead, let's praise the Lord. 
Those who rejected Jesus Christ will be disappointed as well because they have re rejected or stumbled over grace. What's unique about individuals, especially in the New Testament days, as well as in our day, is that they want to build their own righteousness. They don't want to hear that they're unrighteous and need to be absolutely forgiven of their sin. They want to build their own righteousness. So that's what they were doing in the New Testament days. That's what they're doing now. That's why when you talk to somebody and ask them if they're going to heaven, they say, I'm a pretty good person. It's because they are trying to build their own righteousness. Hang on to what you think is righteousness. You'll stand before Jesus one day and realize it's filthy rags. Filthy rags can't save you. you. Say, well, I'm pretty religious. Hang on to your religion. Paul the apostle says, like cow dung. Hang on to that. One day you'll stand before Jesus, hold it up before him, and realize it's cow dung. Cow dung is not sufficient to wash away one single sin in your life, nor are filthy rags. So they want to build their own righteousness. Romans chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. This is just for free, but Paul the apostle says that there are those who have a zeal for God, but it's not in accordance with knowledge. They are seeking to build their own righteousness, and in doing so, they reject the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle said there were people who had a zeal, a passion for God, but they'll go to hell. And why will they go to hell? Because they're trying to build their own righteousness. They've rejected the righteousness that is in Jesus Christ. Those who reject Christ will be disappointed. Those who reject Christ are disobedient to the word. Disobedient to the word is what verse 8 says. The word was spoken through the prophets. The word was seen in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. John chapter 1 and verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. A beautiful picture too when it says he dwelt among us. It's the idea of pitching a tent. In the same way in the Old Testament that God pitched a tent, so to speak, in the mobile tabernacle and displayed his presence. God pitched a tent in the person of Jesus Christ and displayed his glory for all the world to see. But they reject it. Then ultimately they reject the word, which is the gospel. The only way you can be saved is repent of your sin, place your faith in Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection as salvation for your sin. But they rejected. And then verse 9, those who reject Christ are appointed to doom. God appointed the way of salvation through Jesus. And in the same manner, he appointed the way to damnation through rejection of Jesus. Those who receive him will be entered into his kingdom in eternity. Those who reject him will be sentenced to an eternity separated from him in hell. So they receive judgment. The Bible says they'll be judged based upon their deeds in the book of Revelation chapter 20. And so their deeds will, they'll be exposed. The Bible says that the Lord has books that will be opened before them and all of their sin will be read uh, before them. That's why the Bible also says in the book of Romans that a person, when they stand before the Lord, the law of God will shut their mouth. You know, I share the gospel sometimes with people and they say, well, I'll tell you what, preacher, whenever I go up there and talk to God, here's what I'm going to tell him. You won't say a word, you sorry joker. What's going to happen is that the law of God is going to shut your face. You will have absolutely nothing to say. For the first time, you will see the glorious Christ whom you rejected all of your life. And there'll be nothing to say. And you know why else? There'll be nothing to say because all your sin will be folded out right there in front of you. The last, the last eyes you will ever see will be the eyes of Jesus Christ. And for eternity, you'll know it because you'll still have a conscience. You'll know what's going on. Luke chapter 16, the only man in hell. He said, somebody go tell my brothers they don't want to come down here. Only man in hell, he became a flaming evangelist. <laughs> Y'all all right? And, I, and by the way, I'm deeply convinced that if the Lord would allow us to dip one single finger into hell, every single one of us would go share the gospel. Would be so, you don't want to see people go to hell. Final truth. Very quickly, faith works through love. Love works through service. Listen, 
I'm going to turn that truth now upside down on its head. Unbelief works through hatred. Hatred works through rejection. So whenever you're living for the Lord, and I believe this is what Peter's getting at here, when you're living for the Lord and you are suffering for doing that which is right, do not retaliate and try to cast judgment upon those who are treating you unfairly. Well, what do you do? You wait patiently for the just nature of God. Ultimately, they'll stand before God one day who is their judge. You and I are not. God has the final judgment. Well, so much to be said. Let's pray.